0: We come to our Heavenly Father, to God our Father, not in many ways, but we come to Him through the Messiah, the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel, the one that has brought a new covenant and the forgiveness of sins. And there is only forgiveness of sins in His name. So with joy, I greet you in His name. And today we're going to continue in the book called Jacob, in Hebrew, Yaakov. In English, we refer to him as many times as James. We are in the fourth chapter, and I encourage you to go back to the first three chapters as we're flowing through the context of what is being said. And we're going to continue today in chapter four. But remember this: a Jewish man, the half brother of Yeshua, is writing. He has become the probably the chief elder, the shepherd, the pastor in Jerusalem. After Acts chapter 8, when there was a scattering of the Jewish believers, they went to Judea and Samaria. And these are believers that are being persecuted. They lost their possessions and the things in Jerusalem, probably many of them their homes, their businesses, and they're leaving the city. But it says in Acts chapter 8, they went about preaching the word of God. Later on, the apostles start filtering out of the city. Probably the, the congregation in Jerusalem goes more underground. They're not out in the open like they were before. Before, they were preaching in the temple. And every day, house to house, they were breaking bread and having fellowship and teaching the Word of God. The apostles' teaching was being uh, promoted throughout the city. Now it's probably more underground. Jewish believers are scattered abroad. Here, Jacob takes and writes to them concerning issues that they are facing, and we have been going through this beautiful letter that Jacob writes to Jewish believers. And remember that this is probably the first letter or first work of the New Covenant Scriptures chronologically. It is not the first book in the canon. We start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But when you look chronologically, I I would encourage you to go back and look at this short New Covenant survey that we did of putting the books in a chronological unfolding within the book itself. And we're going to go through the books chronologically. And so now we're going to be coming to chapter 4. And remember this, almost everything that Jacob is dealing with is about their personal conduct about their own heart, their own actions, how they treat others, what is their responsibility as believers. And he is looking at the eternal things of God and not so much focusing on their temporal issues that they are facing. In chapter 3, he says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. And after that, he starts talking about the tongue and how the tongue can bring such destruction to the members. And so if we feel like God has called us to teach and we want to be a teacher, please let there be a holy understanding of what it means to teach God's Word, that what we teach needs to represent the Word of God and the heart behind and the spirit behind God's word as well so that it can build up the body, edify the body, and keep the body of the Messiah going in the right direction. There was a problem with the tongue. Now we're going to flow into chapter 4. What we designate as chapter 4 But remember, in the originals, there is not chapters and verses, so it's a continual flow of thought. And also today, praise the Lord, I have Yoni in the studio with me, and I praise God for him coming and being part of this, and he will comment and ask questions as I'm going through and teaching what Jacob is saying. Starting in verse 1, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And I'm going to stop there for a moment and look at what Jacob is saying. And you only jump in at any time, anything that you're, as I'm going through this contextually in the flow of thought that's really speaking to your life. Here, Jacob is not just dealing with their actions but also dealing with what's causing the wrong actions. Even in their prayer lives, as they're praying and seeking God, sometimes we don't have what we're asking for because we're asking with the wrong motives. And God is looking inside and looking that sometimes we lust and we do not have and we commit murder. Now, how can you commit murder by lusting? And think about this for a moment, as we flow with the, the thought here, looking back on the Sermon of the Mount and what Jesus is doing in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. He's not just talking about the law and how you keep the law, but what actually is taking place from within inside of us. And that if we hate a person, if we have hate within our heart, we have committed murder against that individual within our heart. So with God, is not just the action, but it's what's happening with inside of us that is extremely important as well. Now before I, I move on with that thought, because I believe that is the whole context of the new covenant, and it's the whole context of why Israel never kept the law, because their hearts were not circumcised, and you see that within the Hebrew scriptures. But before I move on, Yoni, any thoughts concerning what we're reading here
1: yeah this is this is just uh it it just it's just hit me hard It just this passage you adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards god and and really tying into what we pray I, i think it's it's funny because this book james is addressing people who have nothing who have lost so much for the sake of the gospel and now out of a place of need they're, they're crying out, they, they're saying, you know what, hey, I used to have this nice house and I would like my daughter to live in a nice house again. And, and, and a lot of these things that maybe a lot of us consider pure and, and nice ideals, but they're really still worldly, whether it's I, w- I wish I could be more financially secure or whatever. Um, and and what, what strikes me, too, is I see this heart in a lot of people here in the Western world, a lot of us that, you know, we, we think we are struggling and we think we're going through hard times. We've never been kicked out of our homes. We've never been pushed out of our city because of the, the sake of Christ.
0: Um, and but, I'm glad you said that. For the sake of Christ, uh, we haven't experienced that, and praise God for that.
1: Yeah, oh, praise God for that for sure, yeah. But 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 almost, almost it's almost a sad thing, too, because in this, in, in this period, the gospel was proclaimed purely. And, and for us, we, we, we taint it. You know, we see so many preachers, these what they call the health, wealth, and prosperity. But 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 let's not put labels on it. The reality is there's a lot of teachers in our country that proclaim this system of faith where you 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 pray it and you claim it and God wants you to be rich and wealthy. And and for some people that's really a need. You know maybe they're they're living in in the ghetto and they're they're struggling to make ends meet and they're praying for it and they're suffering. But they're not even suffering for the cause of Christ like these people were. But in it, there's this seed, even if you were struggling for the cause of Christ, even if you were in the midst of persecution and, and you're crying out to God, that doesn't make it pure. So many of us in the West, we pray for these things. And I know lots of people that have prayed for these financial blessings. And they say, oh, these are all the good things I would do with it. But is it for the glory of God that you're praying for that? and that you th- Or is it that you think the good things you're doing justify your selfish reasons for wanting what you're praying for
0: the one thing it does really force us to do is to check our hearts and everything that we're doing even in our prayer life now before we get to what we read remember he talks about selfish ambition and selfish ambition is demonic mm-hmm. that's something that we see throughout scripture and so he flows into naturally about checking our motives is there selfish ambition Is life about me? Is life about my betterment? Am I willing to treat people different? Going back to chapter 2, depending on if one is wealthy and one is poor. Hmm. If I'm doing that, I've got to check into my heart and see, does God have a hold of my heart or is there selfish ambition? You see, the world is all about self. We live in a culture here in America, it's all about self, and being a diva for a young lady is the epitome of Mm. the goal of every young girl now. They're watching what I call the Cows of Bashan. Mm. If You go back in Amos, you know, these ladies that would sit on their couch and tell their servants, go do this, do that, and tell their husbands, come give me a drink, that's the epitome. Or Mm -hmm. that's what young girls are striving to be like today. That it's all about me and going after what is good for me and trying to better myself. And sometimes this comes into the church world and every song, like we've mentioned before, everything that we do, every sermon, every small group is about me bettering myself. There's a huge danger involved and I believe it's demonic. Because I want to be a part of a body of believers with a shepherd like Jacob that's saying life is not about you, life is about God. And that the eternal things are more important than all these temporal things. So you better check your motives. You better check what's going on within your heart. Now let's go back to the Old Covenant, the Hebrew Scriptures. The reason why Israel never kept the law... There was never an extended time in their history that from the heart that they kept the law. In fact, before they went into the land, God told Moshe, told Moses, they will not keep the law and I will scatter them to the nations. And Moses pleads with them. He says, circumcise your hearts. The heart is always the most important thing within the Hebrew scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. David cries out after his sin, create in me a clean heart, O God. You see Samuel telling the people, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. If God does not have our heart, He doesn't have our lives. And Israel never kept the law as a people from the heart to this day. Now, some people will get very angry if I say that. Today, they've substituted the law of Moses the mm-hmm. written law for oral law that was made by man. And they say if you keep the oral law, you're fulfilling the written law. Mm-hmm. And it is a way to add and subtract from the written law, the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. If God has our hearts, that affects our motives. Mm-hmm. And if our motives are pure, even what we pray for, what, even what we're focused upon in our prayers is coming out in a way that honors God. If we have selfish ambition, if God doesn't have our hearts, if there's not a change from the inside and our prayer life is not being directed by the spirit of God that is within inside of us, and we're going to see this terminology coming up here, then our prayer life is going to be directed by selfish ambition. Hmm. And so it's very important. Jacob is a person that is a true shepherd that is saying, check your motives, Look at your motives in your prayer life. Watch your tongue. Watch the sin of partiality. Watch what you're teaching. Not everyone should strive to be a teacher because there is a strict judgment, a stricter judgment for those who teach. Watch out for your life. And in this thought, he's really coming against, I believe, selfish ambition, Mm -hmm. which would naturally arise within a body of believers from a fleshly standpoint, that have lost almost everything. I saw this among a persecuted believing community of faith among the Afghani believers. Mm. And you saw when they had lost everything, come out of Afghanistan, went down into Pakistan, came into India, now they've become believers. Some have such little. They don't even have enough food every day. Others are more blessed. They've been in the city more and their children are, have cell phones and things like that. And the, and the jealousy and the selfish ambition and the one attacking the other and all of these kind of things is a natural thing that develops. And we were constantly telling them, if one is blessed, the whole body is blessed. If one suffers, we all suffer. And as a community of faith, we are praising God in all things. Give thanks to God in all things. And don't look at other individuals and make your life as a comparison to anybody else. So I'm not looking at you, Yoni, and thinking, well, he has a lot more than what I have. How blessed he is, and I'm not blessed. Mm -hmm. I'm putting my eyes upon God and say, God, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your provision. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for my family. Every good gift in my life has come from the Father, Mm -hmm. and I give you thanks. And if that is the case, then my motives are in check. Mm -hmm. And when I go to the Lord in prayer, it's not with selfish ambition. It's not with jealousy, but it's with thanksgiving and praise to God. Amen. Amen. I I
1: wanted to touch. I, I don't want to get totally hung up here, but I'd like... This, I, this concept of the friendship of the world is hostility towards God. And I'd love to hear what your thoughts are maybe on that term, friendship of the world, because here it seems to be tying it to this, this desire for gain and all this stuff. But I think there's a, lot of, there's, there's a lot there, and I'd love to hear what you
0: think about that. Think about what the Apostle John says much later, decades later. Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If mm-hmm. the love of the world is in you, the, you do not have the love of the Father. Mm-hmm. So the world, the way that they look at things is always through the temporal things mm-hmm. of life. What I have right now, what I possess, what is my goal? To get more and more and more. And in this context of this flow of thought, and I always try to keep it with the flow of mm-hmm. thought, here, friendship with the world is having the mentality of the world of selfish ambition, the wrong motives, jealousy, I want this, 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 and this. A believer is not focused on that. The Mm -hmm. world, that's how the world lives. The believer is, God, I wanna glorify you. Mm -hmm. God, take my life, you are the potter, I am the clay, mold me and shape me into the image you want me to be and use my life, use my family, Use my business, whatever it is, for Mm -hmm. your glory. The world, the friendship with the world, is in hostility towards God. It goes against the kingdom of God. Because what we're told to do is seek first God and His kingdom. Mm -hmm. The world is, well, I've got to look out for myself. Mm -hmm. And the two are not compatible. The Mm -hmm. two are in conflict. Now, from a natural standpoint, the world is logical and what Jacob is saying is illogical Mm -hmm. but this is the upside down kingdom it's not man's kingdom he has flipped everything upside down Mm -hmm. and so as we focus on God the joy the peace the contentment that comes into our lives Paul is in house arrest in Rome and he writes a letter to the Philippians and the main theme of that letter is rejoice or joy. Mm-hmm. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And in that letter, he says, I've learned to be content in all things. And prosperity, which means having an abundance of food there. And when I'm hungry.
1: Mm.
0: Now, the prosperity teachers say, Oh, no, no, no. If you had enough faith, you'd never be hungry. So I guess Paul never was had enough faith. Or Jesus, who never had a home didn't have enough faith. But the opposite is true. These men, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of faith. Hmm. He defines what faith is. Paul was a man of faith. It wasn't about what we consumed for ourselves. It's about being content in what God has given to our lives. That's illogical. The world says, do not be content. Keep pressing more, more, more. And God is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Mm -hmm. Put your focus on God. I'm not living for the temporal things of this world. Mm -hmm. You take my house because of my faith in Christ, you can have it. This is how we respond. You want my car too? You take my house, you can have my car. But you're not going to take my faith and you're not going to take my joy and you're not going to take my focus on serving God. And it seems like too, a believer who's where he needs to be
1: Sees the potential for the kingdom in the midst of struggle. You know, it, it's it's a proven fact, uh, pretty much. Uh, the the this message of Christ explodes through the persecuted church, and in the midst of persecution is the time that we have a chance to really show who Jesus was. It's like uh, like Jesus' parable: unless the grain dies and falls to the ground, it will not produce a harvest. And so if we are looking at our, tr- our our struggles and our trials through that lens of hey this this is a this is a time of an opportunity to glorify god if we're looking at like at things like that then we can count it all joy, just like this chat, this book opens, because we know that this trial is going to cause perseverance, and the perseverance is going to cause me to to bear fruit for God's kingdom. It's going to make me like it says. I'm probably butchering it here, but it says, "So you may be perfect to complete, lacking in nothing." But if you're not, and I guess this is kind of maybe the other side. If you are, you find yourself quarrelsome in those struggles. If you find yourself agitated, if you're not, it's because the motive is wrong. If our eyes were on Christ and His glory, we would see the, 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 the opportunity here. But we're not seeing the opportunity. We're caught up with the worldly challenges because our eyes are on the worldly and not necessarily on God.
0: That's correct. Hmm. And Jacob is always bringing the responsibility back upon them hmm. not to make excuses for their actions, not to go the way of the world, check their motives, watch their tongue every aspect of their lives he's looking at the eternal Mm. and he's strengthening the body of the messiah these early jewish believers that were called people of the way well this is the way and Mm. i i'm concerned about the generation that we've talked about before here in the western culture Mm. let me say this i don't go looking for persecution there is something wrong with a person they have their own mental issues that goes and looks to be persecuted I don't do that. I don't think that's right. At the same time, we go with the gospel, not with going wanting to be persecuted. We go with the gospel. And as we go with the gospel, persecution will arise. Here in the Western culture, praise God, we haven't had severe persecution. But the day that it comes, and I believe that it is coming, will the body of Christ be ready to face that in the right way, and not respond to evil with evil, and not to back away from our faith, but to stand strong and to face evil with doing what is right in God's eyes. With a focus, the only thing is that, that is important is serving God, mm. and that is my hope. That is my prayer, and I believe that that is coming in the near future. And we've got to we've got to be strong. It's very similar, like what we talked about. Prior to coming in and doing this podcast, we read and we prayed. Is that when God spoke to Jeremiah, who's complaining about the situation that he's in, he says to Jeremiah, If you cannot run with the footmen, how are you going to compete against the horses? If you cannot stand up in the land of peace, how are you going to stand, Jeremiah, when you're in the middle of the Jordan and it rises? You've got to get stronger. You've got to be more determined. You have to have a stronger faith. You have to allow your dependency upon God to be greater than at any point within your life. And this is what God spoke to Jeremiah. And that principle is all the way through God's word. And I believe that is a message for the church in the West today Mm -hmm. is not look at the temporal things. But look with inside of your heart. Is there a wrong motive, selfish ambition? Is there jealousy? Is there favoritism? What's happening? with? Is there ungodly anger that's causing you to have a sharp tongue and hurting the body? What is going on with inside of you? And we've got to check our motives every single day, even in our prayer life. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at this next verse here. Mm-hmm. Starting, uh, let's read verse 5. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. The Father desires the Spirit that dwells within us to rule and reign in our lives. That we are temples of the Holy Spirit that even in our prayer life, and I believe you see the context here, and Paul deals with this in Romans chapter 8, even in our prayer life, the Spirit interceding on our behalf. It's the Spirit of God giving us the right motives. It's the Spirit of God directing us even in how to prayer. This is what God desires. Verse 6, But He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If it's the Spirit of God within us, then we're going to have the right motives. And we're not going to be operating with arrogance, but we're going to walk humbly before our God. Now think about, and he's quoting from Isaiah here, but think about the last chapter of Isaiah. I spent my introduction looking at this passage in Isaiah 66. Don't worry about a temple, God is saying, but to this one I will look. To one who is humble, one that is contrite of spirit, and one who trembles at my word. We are always to walk with humility before God, to be humble before our God. And if we are being led by the Spirit of God, God so desires the Spirit to rule and reign within us that He is placed within side of us that if we're walking a life in the Spirit, we will be humble before our God. Arrogance and pride will be gone. That leads to selfish ambition, that leads to jealousy, that leads to a lifestyle that doesn't honor God, that dishonors God. We want to be humble before our God. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Wow, think about that. You sinners. He's speaking to Jewish believers, but some have gone the wrong direction. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. Think about what's being said through this whole letter. Draw near to God. You have a responsibility. God gives you a free will. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Mourn before the Lord. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves and God will lift you up. Put your life into God's hands. Exalt him, not yourself. Put God first, not yourself. And God's the one that will lift you up. Mm. This is a clear message to a persecuted Jewish congregation is look at your actions and also look at your heart and let the Spirit of God motivate you even in your prayer life. Mm. Do everything by the leading and the guidance of God's Spirit, which is within you. Let's continue here. Verse 11. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. Did you know in the law of Moses, you are not to slander an individual, speak against anyone. You cannot even bring a charge against someone except on the witness of two or three. That is clear in the law. So if you're going around and not controlling your tongue and you're speaking against individuals, and you're slandering that, that is a serious charge under the law. You have become a judge of the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver. God gave the law and judge the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to go around and And with your tongue, start making false accusations against people, judging the law, saying that you're greater than the law. Who gave the law? God gave the law. And this is wrong, and this is sin. And Jacob is saying, who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to go and to do this? Now remember, Jesus gave a clear scriptural understanding of how you can deal with someone that is doing something wrong. You go to them in private and you talk to them. If they do not listen and do not repent of their sin with the witnesses of two or three, then you take it to the whole congregation that must deal with the sin of that individual. There's a process that God gives that we must not slander individuals. Now, you go into some congregations today, whether it's in the east part of the world, the west part of the world, You have one individual that does not control their tongue, that has selfish ambition, that has jealousy, that's not being led by the Spirit, that is arrogant. You can see one individual set that whole congregation, that community of faith on fire because of their tongue and they're breaking the law. Now, these are Jewish believers that know the law, that know you cannot do this. You cannot go out and slander individuals and make accusations against them. Now, in the Western culture in which we live, you go into a community of faith and you take one, two, 10, 15 individuals, they start slandering another group within the congregation. That church is destroyed in a short amount of time. The law is given for our benefit. God gave the law, and He is the judge, and He has told us there's a right way and a wrong way to face a difficult or a wrong that's being done to us. And if we don't do that, we're saying that we're greater than God, we're greater than the law, and that we have become a judge in ourselves. Very important what we're speaking about. Very applicable to churches today. How many churches have split over one individual that goes about slandering others. I had a situation in my own life where I had someone in the ministry that slandered every other minister that he was working with. He would do it alone when he was me. He would be talking about another person and when we went to that person, he'd be talking about somebody else, about how wrong they were, and then they would be doing it against me. He divided churches, divided ministries. And it went on and on and on to this day. You have to remove yourself from that. You have to get out of that. And I dealt with him one-on-one. I dealt with him with others, with other witnesses. I confronted him in bigger settings. And because it was never dealt with, that destructive behavior continues to this day.
1: Hmm.
0: And it just divides everywhere that it goes. So what I must do is look at my own heart, my own motives, and say, God, let me control my tongue. Mm. And I don't have a right to go out and say anything about Yoni. I don't have a right to make any accusation against you. If you've done something wrong, as a brother, I'm going to come to you in private. And we're going to talk about it. And I'm not going to spread it to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't listen to that and you continue in that pattern of sin... I'm going to get two or three witnesses and we're going to come together in private and we're going to talk to you. And if that doesn't work, then we must go to our larger context for your benefit. If I do it in that way, I'm not slandering you. But as I do that, I must check my motives. Because even if I have the right motives, I can do a lot of harm. If I have selfish ambition, I can do a lot of harm. If I have selfish ambition, I'm not going to keep confidentiality when I speak to you or you speak to me about Mm. something in my life. And so really have to check everything that's going on within my life. So important that our hearts are circumcised unto God. The sign of a new covenant is the circumcised heart, Mm. a change from the inside by God's Spirit. Mm. And let's move on to the last five verses here. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, "...and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil." Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Again, he is looking at the eternal things of God that is so important for the sheep that we keep focus. It's not my will be done, it's God's will be done. When Jesus taught us how to pray, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everything within us should be seeking for the will of God. Everything within us, it's not my will, God, but let your will be done. Again, the historical context, these Jewish believers have probably lost everything. Mm -hmm. They have to regroup. They have to start new businesses. Probably some of them escape with money, with things that could produce money. Mm -hmm. They didn't have money like we have. There were coins and things like that but they probably had something that they left the city with. So they're coming out and they're saying, okay, you go over here to this city and you start this business. I will be here. You go there, you go there, you go there. And we're going to have a corporation where we're going to start making money and get in our feet back on solid ground. Mm -hmm. There's not anything wrong with that in the natural. However, the problem is, As a follower of Yeshua, who is the only way to the Father, we don't have a right to do that. Jesus never did that. When he's going to the cross, he so desperately wanted to find another way that this could be accomplished. But he said, not my will be done, but let your will be done. He's crying out, let this cup be removed from me. He's talking about the cup of His redemption that would go to the cross. Is there any other way, Father, that this could be done? There was no other way. There wasn't any other way that the redemption of God upon Israel, upon the Jewish people, and from the Jews to the world could ever take place except that Yeshua would become the suffering servant, the Lamb of God, that would lay down His life as a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Dying not for his sin, but dying for my sin. That once and for all, sin has been atoned for. He is our Passover lamb. If he's the only way, as believers, if I want to start a business, This business is for the glory of God. And I'm going to ask God, God, is this your will? If this is not your will, let this just not even develop. Let it not even get off the ground. I want your direction, God, Close doors, open doors, set me exactly where you want me to be. If I do that, then I'm walking with humility before God. For me to say, Yoni, you go there. I'll stay here, and then Brittany goes there, and Laura will go over here, and we're going to create this great business, and someday we're going to have a great business, and we're going to give tithe to ministries. There's selfish ambition, Mm -hmm. and it's arrogance that is building up, and we may be successful, but internally we've been destroyed Mm -hmm. because that's sin. That's just not a weakness. That is sin Mm -hmm. because if we do anything outside of the will of God, then we're saying that I'm all sufficient and I can do it myself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a matter of just getting on your knees, committing everything to the Lord and saying, Lord, I trust you with all of my heart. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. In all of my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you and you will make my path straight. God, keep me right where I need to be. Keep this business right where it needs to be. And God, if this business is not of you, close it today. It's a reflection of what's going on within your heart. It's not about me anymore. It's not about selfish ambition. It's about the will of God taking place within my life, my family, this business, this career. It's not my career. It's God's. Everything is for God's glory. When we build it, it's all about us. There's a danger, a great danger, that sin comes in. Selfish ambition takes a hold of our lives. Arrogance begins to build. And what comes before the fall scripturally throughout the Word of God? Pride. Mm-hmm. And at some point, there's going to be a great fall. Mm. Any reflections on that, Yoni? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's real challenging, I think, Um I put myself in kind of the position of this church you know the struggles there and feeling like you need to get your feet back underneath you and and you probably feel like you've been humbled (laughs) but but the reality is in our heart that's when you maybe feel externally like you've been humbled it's when it's so easy for pride to creep up in our hearts which is which maybe maybe you could even say is poison to the gospel yes and so Jacob or James is really preaching into that but it's It's just, it's so interesting, and I think you you hit it on the head when you were talking about Jesus on the cross and before the cross when he said, if this cup could pass from me. And and you, you see a glimpse where it's out of obedience that he follows the Father, but he would have preferred it be done another way.
0: Yes, most definitely.
1: Yeah. And I think that might even be true of us. We look at ourselves and we might say, I've got so many talents. I'm so gifted. Like we even talked about, it's, I think that's maybe pervasive in these situations. You know, we talked about that, I think, last chapter. I'm so talented, I should be a teacher. I mean, I'm so talented, I should start these businesses. And then we're going to get everybody in the community off their feet. And then we're going to have all these, this funding so that we could do this and that and that. And it's so easy to come to these conclusions. But just because we have what we might think is a great idea doesn't mean that that's God's idea.
0: Exactly, and I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail here a little bit. Things that we do in the church today, personality uh, traits, Hmm. finding out your strengths and your weaknesses, finding out where your strengths is, your personality, and then you can find out what the will of God is. Hmm. These
1: giftings of the Spirit
0: test. Yes. Hmm. First of all, there's not any biblical precedent for that. Secondly, we see God using our weaknesses more than we see people doing personality traits to find out what their strengths are. Mm. Paul's not a good speaker. But think about the ministry he did speaking and teaching the Word of God. So it's not about where my strengths is. It's about, even Paul says, in my weaknesses, in my weaknesses, I depend upon God. God becomes even more powerful. So it's not about finding out where my strengths is to know what direction i should go and thirdly it's all about the will of god and the will of god may be for a guy from texas to go to inner city new york city to minister among the gangs now he may not have the right cultural background to do that he may not have the strength to do that but david wilkerson felt the call of god to go to new york city he's a guy from texas to work among the gangs of New York City. And he went there dependent upon God and trusting God that God spoke to him. And God brought about a revival, or I would say a coming to God among the gangs of New York City. Mm -hmm. Out of that came a great ministry called Teen Challenge. So you look at that and you say, if you would have looked at it in the natural, okay, what are his strengths? What is his cultural background? Where should we place him? He would have never been working among the gangs of New York City. There's not any biblical precedent for that. Plus, it doesn't recognize that the, sometimes God builds within our weaknesses because when we are weak, he is strong. Amen. There's more dependency upon God. Amen. And plus, it cheapens the understanding of the will of God. It's saying the will of God is finding out what your strengths are. No, the will of God is the will of God. Mm -hmm. It may make perfect sense for you to go to that city and me stay here, someone else to go there from a business model and do this and create a great business, but God knows better than what I know. And we don't know how He's going to piece things together. But if we're not living in obedience to Him,
1: then we're not building His kingdom. We're building our kingdom.
0: Yes, we're building our kingdom, working on our strengths. Working in a way that we understand and that we're comfortable with, and when it's through, we become arrogant before God.
1: Yeah, I don't want to touch on this. I feel like you know it was it was the nature of God to call His obedient Son, the one who had done everything right, to the cross, and the same. It was the nature of God to call many of the apostles who had lived such outstanding lives for the gospel to call them to their death. And, and it might likewise be the call for us or some of the people listening for God to call you, although you've walked uprightly, into suffering, and that's not outside of the calling of God. Maybe even people who would have the means to otherwise not be in that, it is the calling of God sometimes to do so, and it produces an eternal harvest. And if we're so focused on what we can build, then we miss out on the eternal glory that God has, the eternal works that God has laid up
0: before us. Amen and amen. So let's look back. Check your motives. Humble yourselves. Keep yourselves in the will of God. Acknowledge Him. Control your tongue. Get out selfish ambition and jealousy from your life. Quit treating people with status. Don't show partiality. If you're going to understand religion, let it be about keeping yourself unstained from the world and visiting orphans and widows in their distress. Do not say, I have been tempted or led away from God because God did this. But take responsibility for your own sin. Understand that every good gift in your life comes from God. It goes on and on. All of this is about taking the personal responsibility for your life, even what's happening with inside. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. We need to be people that walk humbly before our God, people of prayer, people focusing on the external. Even in the worst situations that we never thought that we would ever be in, we give praise to God. And this is what Jacob is communicating by the power of God's Spirit upon persecuted jewish believers in a day that was crucial to building the foundation of the church now think about how that speaks to us today god's word does not change and that same principle that was true for them is true for us today so i want us to pray as we close out this chapter four that god will search our our hearts and if there's anything that's not right in our hearts that he will lead us in the everlasting way search our hearts if there's anything anxious within us let that be gone and lead us in the everlasting way from within sight that the kingdom of god is living ruling and reigning within our hearts heavenly father i pray that you will take this word that went forth today and lord someone was listening someone was hearing There are things that need to be broken down in our lives. Lord, let them be broken down. And there are things that need to be built up that honor you. Let those things be built up today. Heavenly Father, whatever you want to do, destroy or build, break down or bring up within our lives. God, let it be done for your glory. God, give us hearts and minds and from the innermost being honesty within inside of us, pure motives, And Lord, sincere hearts that want to do the right thing to honor you in our lives, businesses, families, in our congregations, in our workplaces, oh God. Lord, let us not be about ourselves, but let us be kingdom-focused. Lord, I pray this to be true within all of our lives. In Yeshua's name I pray, amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at integrity global missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.